Hello, everybody. Welcome back to NeuroQueering. I'm your host, Pasha Marlowe, and I'm here with you today, Kai Northcott. And Kai is a coach who helps neurodivergent professionals design their time to improve executive functioning. And today, super excited, we're going to be talking about how to queer time, which I've never talked about. So thank you so much for being here, Kai. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah. Queering time. First of all, queer, queering, uh, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being queer, identifying as queer or anything to do with sexuality at all, right? I just want to make sure for those that are listening, how do you define queering? Yeah, to me, queering means shifting the norm, shifting the frame, taking things that are in little boxes and either changing the shape of the boxes or obliterating all the boxes or creating lots of various size and shape boxes for different people to fit into with little doorways that we can move between all the time. Blurring the lines between Mm -hmm. things, I think, is a big piece of querying for me Mm -hmm. and creating space for individuals. I love the imagery there. That's so much better than challenging norms <laughs> i need to i need to queer my definition beautiful and how did you become so interested in time itself in 2009 i left my old life up to that point i was selling insurance i was selling health insurance i had a fiance and a mercedes and a nice house It was just a very interesting chapter of my life. And I had achieved success in all the ways that I'd been told success was supposed to look. And I was deeply unhappy. And it took me a little while to realize that that feeling was actually that I was deeply unfulfilled. And so I left. I traveled for six years from 2009 to 2015. And during that time, I was very involved in the nature connection scene. I was very involved with earth skills gatherings where we teach traditional skills like blacksmithing and hide tanning and animal tracking, shelter building, all kinds of stuff. And so for six years, I didn't have a home base. I traveled mostly out of my vehicles for a little while. I had a partner who had a pickup truck and a TP, and we traveled that lifestyle. And so during that time, I slept outside a lot. I was sleeping under tarps and in teepees and tents and things. I very intentionally disconnected, not only from time, but from all kinds of social norms and very intentionally explored the other side of like very often I think of things existing on spectrums. And where if society is on one end of a spectrum, then what does it look like to explore the far other end of this particular spectrum in this particular way? And then I find that by exploring both ends of the spectrum, we can often find a place of balance somewhere towards the center. And so I very intentionally disconnected from time and reconnected with the natural cycles of the day. You know, when I was living outside for the most part, then I found myself waking up when the sun rose and getting really tired right after the sun went down. And finding myself in the kind of the natural energy of the day and reconnected with natural time instead of clock time and came to understand clock time as this really thin veneer over actual time and how time, actual time is cyclical and seasonal and that there are certain things we can expect over and over again. And then clock time is, I mean, synchronized clock time, everybody being on the same time that started like 150 or 200 years ago so that trains wouldn't run into each other on railroad tracks. It's a very modern invention that's specifically focused on helping us make more money. And so disconnecting from that and reconnecting with the natural cycles of 
the day of the year of my body and and feeling how much my body could actually connect with and live into the natural energies of the day and the year and how those are cyclical and they do change. That really gave me a deep sense of how time can function on the natural level. And then clock time just became like a game that I'm willing to play with people at certain times so that we can get certain things done. Did you find that when you woke with the sun and uh, the, the term I hear often is put your eyes in the sun, you know, as, as soon as mm-hmm. you can in the morning that it helped mm-hmm. your circadian rhythms, your sleep rhythms? Did you oh, sleep totally. Even though the bed wasn't always super comfortable, you know, it's sleeping on a sleeping pad or something like that, animal skins or whatever. It's very different than sleeping on a six inch mattress. I and mean, still, I found myself sleeping a lot better. You know, having the sounds of the forest around me actually really helps. The house I grew up in was in the woods. And so the cicadas being very loud at night mm-hmm. actually really helps me sleep. But yeah, reconnecting with those circadian rhythms reconnected me with my own natural rhythms. And yeah, I found myself um, just very naturally falling into those natural cycles and being more in touch with the rhythms of my body for sure. And so for the neurodivergent minds that you coach who aren't willing, like me, to sleep outside. Yeah, of course. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah. delightful, but I, I don't, I, I'm not there yet. I still sure. really enjoy my mattress. So how can I get in touch with my rhythms and and not rely so much on clock time? Like what are the baby steps or the transition steps to that? Yeah, great question. First, I want to say that there's the rhythm of the natural day, and then there's the rhythm of our day. And we can sync those up. And even if those aren't synced up, we can still live the rhythm of our day, Mm. whatever that looks like. Let's talk about the rhythm of the natural day a little bit. Right before the sun comes up, the sun is in the northeast part of the sky. The sky is starting to get a little bit light, but it's the coldest time of day. And then the sun starts to come up and the sun is in the east. The birds are singing. It's easy to have energy and feel excited. Like things are starting. When the sun is in the southeast part of the sky, then sun is a little bit higher. The animals are getting out and about. We start preparing for the day. Then when the sun is high in the sky in the south and we're doing the mission of the day, when the sun gets to the southwest part of the sky, then we're taking a a break and resting. A lot of animals are napping at that time. A lot of more traditional cultures have things like siesta at that time of day. And then as the sun starts to go down, all the animals come back to their dens. The people come back to their homes. We connect with our family, with our people. There's food. Then in Northwest, the sun has well set. And maybe in a more traditional culture, we're hanging out around the fire, telling old stories and things like that. And then there's dream time, asleep when the sun is in the north. So that pattern to the natural day, then it creates an eight-part archetypal model that we can translate into our own personal day. And so if I'm working a late shift job and so I wake up at 2 p.m., when I wake up at 2 p.m., that's my northeast. And so when I wake up in my northeast, I'm going to want to do something to wake up my mind. And some days that might take five minutes and some days that might take two hours. And when I'm done with that, then I'll move on to waking up my body and feeling inspired, that energy of the sunrise. You know, I want to even though maybe it's 3 p.m., I still want that energy in my body of, oh, things are starting, things are fresh, let's get going. And so I can take these energies and live into these different phases of the day and the energetics behind those phases of the day, even if they're not aligned with the the natural cycle of what's physically happening in the natural world, I can still live those cycles every day. Does that make sense? 
It does. It does. And and so it's it's naming it and setting the intention that that is that time of day if you don't have the the natural cycles to turn to, but mm-hmm. you know your own personal cycles and rhythms exactly. and that you're honoring that. And and so of course if that does not sync up with clock time or or cultural time and the and our neurotypical friends times, how do you coach people to deal with that resistance that they might experience and know, well, this isn't when you should be sleeping or this isn't when you should be working. Dealing with other people's expectations is a whole thing. <laughs> yes. I mean, generally, I find clock time to be kind of like money. It has value because we're all agreeing that it has value. And so in the same way, it's like, yeah, okay, we can agree on clock time and we can say that we're going to meet at 3 p.m. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) Being neurodivergent, I may or may not be there exactly at three. We'll see how it goes. When it comes to coordinating with other people, those are agreements that we do our best to keep. And then when it comes to expectations of jobs, it's like, okay, well, if the job wants me to be there at 8 a.m., you know, to me getting to work is we're starting the south of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I know that between the time I wake up and when I get to work, I'm going to need to do my northeast wake up the mind, east wake up the body, and southeast prepare for the day. And so if it's important to me to have long phases where I'm really in those practices, then I'm going to need to wake up early. I'm going to need to wake up at 5 or 6 a.m. Or I can wake up at seven o'clock and to wake up my mind, I can think about things that I'm grateful for while I brush my teeth. And to get energy in my body and get inspired for the day, I can have a dance party to one song and then I eat a quick breakfast. And so I'm hitting these Northeast, East and Southeast and living into those energetics and and having the experience of moving my body through those phases of the day, even though the time frame is really compressed. Love that flexibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Letting go mm-hmm. of the expectations of needing a certain amount of time to move through these phases. Right. Brilliant. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so for you, now I'm really curious. Do you still wake with the sun? Do you are you in alignment with your your personal rhythms with the rhythms of the of nature? Wake rising and then sleeping with, with the sun? Yes. And it's not because it's been that way the whole time. It's not like I developed this pattern from 2009 to 2015 while I was traveling, and then I've maintained that pattern. There were plenty of years there when I was very involved in the burner scene and going to DJ shows and staying out until sunrise and then sleeping until noon or afternoon. I'm now 40. And as I started approaching 40, my body started making decisions about when we were waking up, whether I wanted to or not. And currently that's around six. So I wake up when it's still dark outside, whether I want to or not, and I can lay there in bed and be mad about it, or I can just start my day. So here we are. <laughs> I don't go out at night anymore either. My, my, it's just become a running joke. But there's something extremely energizing and spiritual. It's the only time of day I honestly feel very tapped into spirit is with mm-hmm. the sunrise, and it's mm-hmm. and it's interesting that it's a it's a very isolating experience because I'm mm. the only one in the house who's awake at that time and seemingly the only one in my neighborhood and town often it feels that way but that's part mm-hmm. of why it's so magical it's so quiet mm-hmm. oh, totally. uh, yeah it feels like a secret almost mm-hmm. um, and that's when I feel most creative and in flow uh, mm-hmm. so one of the things that I coach minor divergent clients on is not 
giving away our best energy to all all other people, like to how we can keep mm-hmm. some of our best energy for ourselves, you know, not just giving away our best hours to be productive. So I've been trying really hard, even though that is my most productive, creative, best content creating time between 5 and 7 a.m. I'm trying really hard to not just create for other people at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but do you find that? Because I, I know it's certainly challenging for me as a neurodivergent person who as the day goes on, becomes anything from tired to overwhelmed to distracted. Mm. And that if those are my most productive times, it's hard not to work at those times. But then it feels like after you described all this, that I'm working also against my my natural rhythms of of being able to tap into that that spirituality and that personal experience, not so much giving and creating for others at that time. Did I, am I explaining that correctly? I'm just having. Yeah, a, I, I totally understand what you mean. <laughs> I'm coaching I, myself at the moment. Yeah, I can see the realizations happening behind your eyes. I love it. One of the things that I feel like is really important about all of this is that there's no wrong way to do it. How you do it is perfect. And if you want to do it differently, try it differently and see how it goes. And so, one thing that I think about a lot is that. In the same way that there's a rhythm to the day, there's a rhythm to the year, there's a rhythm to the week. And so we don't have to expect that we're going to do the same thing every day. You know, maybe on Mondays, I want to still really be in my personal self and my spiritual self. And I want to devote more time to that phase of the day. And maybe along about like Wednesday or Thursday, I want to use those hours to create content and and work and things like that. So yeah, I might experiment with trying out different practices at that phase of day, different days of the week and seeing how that goes. And then the other piece too, very often when we really sink into the phase of energy that's naturally coming up for us, then when it's time to move to the other phases, we find ourselves more available for that and having more of that kind of energy. So if I'm waking up and I'm naturally inclined towards spirituality and connecting with my spiritual practices and taking care of my mental health and things like that, if I really sink into that and devote myself to that, then when I move on to waking up for my body, I'm really there for that. When I'm uh, preparing for my day, I'm really there for that. And then when it's the phase of day for working and creating, I actually have more creative energy at that phase. Nice. So in honoring one, you continue to Mm-hmm. Exactly. Beautiful. And of course, now today we're recording with a week left of this year, 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering when people are going to hear it. Probably right around at the beginning of 2023. Do you have for yourself rituals for New Year transition? Oh, sure. So today is the solstice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Today is the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, the longest night. And the traditional celebrations around this time of year are that the light is returning because in just a few days, the days are going to start to get longer. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really fabulous time of year to look at what we want to let go of. What do we want to stay in this year and not carry with us into the future? And then what do we want to plant for next year? In agrarian culture, the winter is when we think about what are we going to plant next year? What are the crops going to look like? How many of each animals are we going to try to breed and things like that? And so that's something that I think about a lot during this time is what I want to grow for next year. I pretty much always have a fire for solstice and usually will burn some things that kind of represent what I'm wanting to let go of and set some intentions for the coming year. 
Mm-hmm. That's one of the one of the practices there. Nice, nice, beautiful. I I've not yet been m- moved to tears in one of my podcast episodes, but what you're saying and explaining, which probably doesn't feel groundbreaking to you because you've lived it for so many years, it's so tangible and obvious that this is what. I often miss and it's right in front of me, the rhythms of nature, because I and when you get stuck in clock time and in just the cultural norms of living by that and feel kind of imprisoned by it, I mm-hmm. I started I start to lose focus and mm-hmm. the perspective and I don't pull back enough to see beyond the sunrise experience that I have. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if that's the only time of day I I've allowed myself to sink into these natural rhythms because mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. clock time takes over. And right. so I'm I so appreciate your perspective and and how much soul and spirit and wisdom you bring to your coaching it's unusual and it's really beautiful and unique to find in in coaches and especially for neurodivergent minds because it can be very cookie cutter neurodivergent coaching and i appreciate the holistic perspective thank you so much for saying that i really appreciate it a lot and and yeah my coaching is anything but cookie cutter I pretty much never tell my clients like, oh, you should do this because it works for other people. It's like, what do you think about this concept? Like, does this sort of thing sound like it might be helpful for you? Well, what if we modified it like this? Or what if we tried this other thing that's kind of similar? Um, My coaching is a very collaborative process with my clients to find what will work for them because they know themselves way better than I do. I love that. I love that. I I share I share that philosophy. I just didn't have the beautiful words <laughs> to describe it. It's like why why am I really discouraged by neurodivergent coaching or coaching ADHD coaching as I was trained mm-hmm. to do? It just it didn't fulfill me completely, which is why mm-hmm. I started this podcast, Neuroqueering, because mm-hmm. I knew there was more queering to be done mm-hmm. even within neurodivergent coaching. And mm-hmm. here you are, the mm-hmm. expression mm-hmm. of what is possible. So thank you so much for sharing all this. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to continuing to to connect. And I could probably have you on every weekend and be fascinated (laughs) by by something you say. So yeah, because I I, I would love to continue the conversation. So thank you. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. Anytime you want to have me on, I'm I'm so to come back and chat more. Thank you. I'm sure people will be racing to find you in all the ways. So tell tell us how we can find you. Yeah. So on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, you can find me as Kai Eight Seasons. That's K A I, the number eight seasons. And my website is eightseasons.consulting. Wonderful. I will, of course, include those links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Kai, and a happy solstice and happy new year to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Happy solstice and a blessed new year to you too. You. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, mm-hmm. for listening. Of course, please do share this episode and review and subscribe and all those things, but mostly sharing it. I think having a, this message reach as many people as possible, especially at this time of the, the new year, would be a beautiful gift to those that you love. I look mm-hmm. forward to hearing from you all, and I look forward to seeing you again soon, Kai. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe.
Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQueering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at NeuroQueerCoach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at NeuroQueering.com. Thanks all. Happy NeuroQueering. Enjoy your day.